Mr. President, I am a soldier, and I'm a damn good one. I've got enough decorations to snap a Christmas tree. All I'm trying to say is, and I hope I speak for everyone in this room, is that I am scared. I'm barely holding my fudge right now. Episode 148 of the Cultimat Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm John Smallberries. And I'm uh, John Yaya. And uh, uh, anyway, head over to the uh, Facebook and uh, like us, the Cultimat Mark, or head over to our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to Amazon and pick up my novel, Nova Byzantium, out now, courtesy of Mask Books and Show News, Mr. Hudson. Any show news this week? This week? Yeah, um, this very week. Well, not this week. Maybe this, this week, week and part of well, last the, week. Didn't the um, Oscars get noms come out? I didn't pay attention yes. to them. I think something yes, like they did. I think the big travesty, and this is going to shake the very far foundations of American society is that the Lego movie did not get nominated for Best Animated Picture. <gasps> uh, did you see it? I, no. I heard it was, I heard I heard it was, it was pretty... just f- fucking fantastic. So, <laughs> What, are you talking to some of your white friends? It was a yeah. great <laughs> movie. Uh, me and uh, uh, Margaret really liked it. Yeah, Chaz was going to come along, but he couldn't make it. He had a wine tasting that evening. So, no, I, I, and I heard it's... Uh, it's kind of one of those movies that has a little something for the kids and something for the adults and all that good stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, my time is limited. I just couldn't get around to seeing it. So, Don't worry. You're going to be watching endless animated movies. Soon. Yeah, I know. Might Nonstop. Well if you ever thought that you didn't have time to watch animated movies, just, just wait till you find time to watch Cars 2 20 times in about a month. Yeah. Looking forward to it, man. <laughs> totally. Well, it's better than uh, five-minute snippets of Elmo and Peppa Pig, which is the current fare. Uh, our daughter has about a five-minute uh, time span mm-hmm. before she freaks out and demands either uh, one or the other. So if you're watching one, she demands the other. Then you flip to the other, and then she demands the other, and it just goes on like that. It's like madness. I mean, they are so. leaving money on the table by not doing a crossover. Oh, are they ever? Well, and the other thing is... is maybe, they, Elmo... maybe they can't work together. You know that Peppa's yeah, a real cunt. She is a bitch. And uh, and uh, Elmo, he's an alcoholic. Nobody likes to talk about it. And yeah. a racist. And a racist alcoholic. Yeah, he hates uh, he hates blue Muppets for some reason. It's cool <laughs> with the red. Hates the blue. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. No, uh, my daughter. If if Elmo isn't on screen, like if there's just a shot, like to Abby for literally seconds, she goes more Elmo. Or like Elmo, Elmo, like she demands Elmo on screen all the time. I mean, it's I don't know what I'm doing to her. She's a uh, uh, very low threshold. For, that's what you uh, just. That's what she's your haul back and slap her. <laughs> so like, get her shit together. You know, not close. Open, open handed. Come on, we're reasonable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you ever need me to watch your kid, just let me know. Okay. All right, <laughs> Mark's uh, and to, to our listeners who are in the Seattle area who may need childcare needs, Mark is available. Absolutely so. not. Uh, so yeah, my favorite movie of the year did not get any award noms. Very uh, bummed about that. Uh, which would have been uh, fuck. I forget the director, but uh, Scar Joe's Under the Skin. Oh yeah, it's the same uh, guy who did Sexy Beast. I forget his name as well. Uh, yeah, fucking 
I don't know. I, I, I can't say it's like an enjoyable, cozy movie. It's just something it's 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 it sticks it it sticks in your head and it just hangs on there and you gotta see it again and I wanna see it again and so uh and it's just extremely evocative and the imagery is amazing and it's just weird. Uh and it has the most diabolical ending of any film I've seen in the recent past 10 years, I would say. Uh, it's incredible. I think Guardian not, gave it their number one film of the year. I might have put that up on the Facebook or, or something. But uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I know well, Mr. Hudson probably hasn't seen it. I but. haven't seen it, though. I I, uh, I got a completely legitimate rip sitting on my hard drive. And oh. uh, uh, Anyways, that's by Glazer. By the way, and I love sexy oh, beauty. So I really, I, well, I'm trying to find a time I can sit down with Gene and, and watch it. It's just sometimes it's tough to, you know. I think it's sort of a heavy movie, you know. So I don't. Want it, to it's it. it's yeah. Rose couldn't take it. There was like mm-hmm. a little kid scene, and it, nothing happened. Well, I'm not gonna blow it, but anyway, she couldn't handle it. She's like, I'm done with this movie, and so then she went off to bed, and I, and I sat up by myself and mm-hmm. watched the rest of it, and and then uh, uh, at the end of it, I was like, holy fucking shit, what did I just see? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. But, I re- uh, I'm really looking forward to watching it. You know, there's been so much football on. I've been going crazy. Oh, yeah. I know. Go Hawks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a hell of a game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was taking a nap during most of it, and then uh, I had caught, like, a little bit of the game up to the half, and I was like, oh, they're, they're, they're gone. Green Bay is going to mow them. And then uh, I woke up to fireworks, and I was like, what? And then uh, <laughs> I fucking, like, pulled it out there at the last bit of the they had some great shots of people leaving the game early i know yeah (laughs) shame shame on those fuckers (laughs) anyway uh let's see i uh i uh, went to a soiree with elon musk on friday night Mm. to how's elon doing uh, uh he's rich man fucker's rich uh looks good too that Mm. guy is one good looking 43 year old man Mm. i'll tell you um no it's cool i asked him a question and everything that was uh, is very interesting. He uh, any man who uh, can give you his pitch and then say, uh, and when we build the city on Mars, we're going to need dot dot dot. You're like with a straight face. Mm-hmm. You're like what? What the, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> is so, he just, is uh, he just super smart? Uh, you know. Uh, was he just? He's a great manager. He always gets the right people. Well, he has a PhD in physics. I'm, I'm not going to say he's. Oh, um, he does. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's. I mean, I, 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 he, he's a, he's a PhD physics. He has a vision and he has a shit ton of money. Mm. So you know how that, <clears throat> and and he's and he's I guess business savvy. Um, he knows the market pretty well. That he, where did he uh, get all his money from? PayPal. Oh, he was one of the early PayPal guys. Yeah, he was a PayPal dude. So uh, so uh, was it like some sort of recruiting thing? I, I didn't think kind of. It was recruiting. just sort of like. You know, invite only. Uh, uh, come hang out. Elon's going to give you his pitch. N- you know, no strings attached. Well, they just, it. it was just like pitching out for people in, in the industry. Yeah, local local folks in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, and, so there uh, were some uh, various aerospace engineers floating around. Yeah, there. no, it was. Uh, it, I don't know if you've seen the HBO uh, TV show Silicon Valley, mm, but there's no. a uh, few party scenes. Uh, that are like total uh, 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 total uh, pickle barrels or uh, weenie roasts, as I call them, mm-hmm. uh, where you get about 70%, 80% dudes. 
Yeah. And then 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 the attractive women you see see walking around figure they're either part of the event staff or something of that nature, you know. So uh yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it the reference may be lost. No, but, I haven't uh, seen it. So um what's uh what sort of spread did he lay out for you guys or was it pretty bare bones? I know, man. He had it catered and fucking all the booze he could drink and uh, he had one of his, uh, space capsules just sitting there. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I was sorry. He was bringing it to the museum of flight or something for the week. Yeah, it was cool, man. It had been up to the space station and, uh, mm-hmm. had come back down and was just beat to shit. Uh, but, uh, it was pretty fascinating. And, uh, I don't know, man. It's like, uh, you're, it's like you're seeing Howard Hughes, like the 21st century Howard Hughes mm-hmm. is kind of the way I think of him. So, uh, if anything, it was just cool to, you know see him and then i was able to ask him a question about something and that was kind of fun so yeah that's pretty neat man yeah that's, anyway so uh, that's, uh, uh, that's a big wig that's for sure oh yeah uh let's get on to another uh, true visionary uh this week our film is uh buckaroo bonsai i'm not going to do the whole title but let me go through the uh, plot rundown real quick <coughs> The film stars Peter Weller as Buckaroo Banzai, the son of an American mother and Japanese father who is a combination physicist, neurosurgeon, martial arts master, secret agent, and rock star who travels with his band of assistants, backing musicians, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. As the story opens, Buckaroo is driving his car through a mountain to test his new invention, the Oscillation Overthruster. However, a race of boorish aliens called the Red Lectoids have been waiting for such an item to become a reality, as they needed to return to a distant planet they call home, which actually isn't true, but anyway. Uh, one of Buckaroo's arch enemies, Dr. Emilio Lazardo, played by John Lithgow, who has been possessed by the Red Lectoids, attempted to create a similar device decades before, now escaped from an insane asylum. He is back at work with the Lectoids on a plan to control the world. So there's a few uh, fallacies in that review. So, so what uh, is that one you, you called out about the distant planet? Could you read that again? Yeah, that's the problem. <clears throat> However, a race of boorish aliens called the Red... Wait a minute. Uh, called the Red Lectoids, have been waiting, mm-hmm. blah, 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 uh, as they need it to return to a distant planet they call home. They don't need it to return to a distant planet they call home. They need it to rescue their Red Lectoid brethren in the eighth dimension who have well, been it's actually, there. It's actually both. Oh, it is they, both. They're, the, the idea is that they're going to, they hate the Black Lectoids because they, they, uh, ov- the Black Lectoids overthrew their sort of despotic uh, aims of, of controlling their planet. And they banished all the red electrodes into the eighth, the void of the eighth dimension. Some of them got out back in the 30s. And then so they yeah. want to go in and get the rest of their guys. They talk about there being hundreds of them in there. And then they're going to go to Planet 10 and fuck the black electrodes up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so they so uh, at the end there, I don't know, spoilers. If people are listening to this, they deserve to have Buckaroo spoiled. But uh, the... Uh, the ship that they created at Yodiodyne, uh, like they try to go through the wall into the eighth dimension, but mm-hmm. Buckaroo like foils the plan, and then they just break through the wall, and then they try to escape to Planet Ten. Right? Is that the idea? Um. Well, like I that. think I'm not sure exactly what the, the idea is after they fail to get into the eighth dimension. I think I think that um, Warfin is just sort of flying by the seat of his pants at that point. Yeah. Well. I, I, and I love his tiff with uh, John Big Booty. That's hilarious. Big Booty. Come on, man. Big Booty. <laughs> he flips him off at the end. <laughs> so uh, this is a beloved uh, cult movie uh, by many. Uh, 
it kind of seems like it if you drew the Venn diagram over uh, Buckaroo Banzai and like Doctor Who fans, uh, you would get like a significant percentage of, of overlap. It seems like this is like right up the Doctor Who fans alley. Well, right? then that's right I up mean, your alley, right? You're a big Doctor no, Who fan. No, not at all. I haven't watched one episode of Doctor Who. But I see you running around with that um, blue police box shirt on all the time. Oh, yeah, well, that, you know, it's given to me for free. What are you going to do? So, <laughs> uh, so I watched this, and, and uh, I, like, I, I keep, I, I tried to kind of go into the Wayback Machine and uh, sort of remember our mutual friend Ben Ekblad just going on and on about Buckaroo Banzai. And knowing Ben well enough, I tried to get into that headspace a little bit of why this movie was like so beloved amongst you know a, a certain uh, uh, dorky nerdy demographic, mm-hmm. and it, it has its, I guess it has its one-liners and quirks, and it's just such a mashup of nonsense and craziness and silliness that uh, it sort of defies uh, any convention. Right? I mean, is that kind of the... Yeah, I mean, this movie doesn't... It just doesn't take any genre particularly seriously. This movie is a sort of a madhouse. It's it's strictly... um, It's just a... It's just a sort of emulsion of creativity. Well, yeah, and and it it starts with the uh, Renaissance man, Buckaroo Banzai himself, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and the name is ridiculous. Uh, his mother was, uh, his dad was Japanese and his mother was American or something. And, uh, you know, the name, <laughs> it's just so, so ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I have, uh, some half Japanese, uh, friends and they're like, names are, uh, I should, probably shouldn't say their names, but they're, <laughs> they're nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I have, they usually get mistaken for, um, Mexican folks when they go south of the border on vacation. Wow. Oh, that's uh, usually how it happens. Joseph Sakamoto, are you Mexican? Yeah, no. It's <laughs> uh, they usually get PO'd Mexicans like giving them shit because they can't speak Spanish when they're on vacation down. There. I don't understand the the Mexicans think that your halfu friends are Mexican. I, I don't, yeah, I just, they're that's uh, weird. Uh, one I, of my I don't friends, see it. One of my friends uh, is uh, he. His mother is Japanese and his mm. dad is uh, Jewish. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he'd go down to Mexico, and they would be like, "Po that he, they, they just assumed he was a Mexican dude. He has like a goatee, you know, and I don't know, and that, that's about it." But they're just like, well, "You know, what's wrong with you? Why can't you?" So uh, hmm. it's funny because <laughs> for whatever reason, if you're if you're uh, an individual of color, and uh, when I say color, I mean sort of the. Um, maybe not white or or not African-American or or not black, and you go south of the border, and whether you're Indian or Arab or half Japanese, Mm. half Jewish, uh, they just co-opt you as as one of their own. And uh, I I guess it sort of makes sense, just sort of the middle and melanin levels. I think think it's that whole idea that if you take everybody in the planet and you just put them through the star-bellied sneeches machine, you know, from Dr. Seuss, uh, you'll eventually get somebody who looks Polynesian. And that's just the way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. You just start mashing up all the gen- all the uh, races on the planet, you're just going to get uh, South Pacific Islanders. 
Uh, well, we're all getting know. fatter. I guess it must be working. Yeah, maybe. But uh, anyway, so maybe it's something to do with that. But uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, Buckaroo Bonsai. Peter Weller does not look half Japanese, by the way. No. I I mean, it would have been t- I think the character was envisioned supposed to look that way. I mean, half Japanese. But I think that, uh, you know, come on, let's be serious. This is Hollywood, man. I know. So he's a neurosurgeon. The great scene in the beginning where mm-hmm. he's uh, they, they wheel the neurosurgeon uh, bay out to the uh, test track. So he just kind of is, is that what I, I mean? No, is I thought like, they were, I thought he was at a hospital and he zipped out there really fast. Oh, is that how it happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it just yeah. seemed like he was. No, like, no, he no. He wasn't and, there. He was just doing the surgery. Then he got in his car or got in a helicopter or something and zipped out okay. to the, the dry lake bed as quick as he possibly could. And I love that the. Um, uh, I thought they were doing like a land speed record, but that's not what they were doing. They were doing a test of the oscillation overthruster. Well, uh, there was it was there was a ruse involved with it. Uh, oh, I think was that it? There was uh, there were some military people there, so they must have had something like some sort of military DARPA type funding. It might have been for that jet propulsion system, uh, but they had the uh, Buckaroo Institute had a, a secondary objective, which was to check the oscillation overthruster. I Which is how why the attached. general was sort of uh, surprised when they went off the test course. I, I, I loved how it was uh, a Ford F-350. It was, that yeah. Was gonna be it. Yeah, those, yeah. Uh, those tires just don't look like they're made for high speed. Not really. Uh, I, actually, uh, I, I was going to post it, but I didn't, I didn't find a clip I liked of the uh, actual uh, land speed record run uh, where they broke the sound barrier mm-hmm. in that uh, crazy, uh, what the fuck is it called? like thrust something anyways a british team and uh anyway there's this great shot and it's it's an aerial shot of the helicopter hovering maybe i don't know 500 feet above the ground and the the car goes underneath them doing mach one and it's just the craziest it's like a fucking it looks like a fucking star wars land speeder i mean it looks bizarre you just see this trail of dust mm-hmm. uh you know, and the camera pans, and it's going Mach one over the over the Nevada desert. There, I have to check and, that uh, out. I don't think I've seen that video. It sounds interesting. It's crazy, and there's like a cockpit cam. That's just the cockpit. You can't see out the front, and you see the guy's hand on the wheel. And as it's going up to like Mach one, the vibration just goes crazy. You know, but you can't see what's going on outside, and it's just the static shot of the dash. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's all this like calm, calm British British voice. Uh, at the wheel it's just it's something else so uh, i've always been fascinated by the land speed record uh, so um so this 350 with dooleys how do you think it handled that around mock i think it would uh blow apart into a million pieces <laughs> i think it I probably think would <laughs> yeah yeah but not if you're a team bonsai and uh I think they actually had like corporate funding on the side there's like bf goodrich or something yeah they did you know as as far as that vehicle goes i thought the uh like the fake jet thing was pretty cool i thought they did a pretty good job a lot of times those look pretty dorky but i thought how whoever made that fan thing up with the flame blowing out of it i thought it looked pretty decent i mean they had a lot of it seemed like it was pumping out the it seemed like the flames were going the gases were coming out at a pretty good rate out of the back of that thing sometimes they just sort of look like a somebody turned like a fire pit sideways it looks pretty stupid 
when they have like, I thought a fake it, jet. I thought I don't know. I thought it looked pretty interesting. I think I think we're all fascinated in Hol- like by Hollywood silly cars. You mm-hmm. know, like the uh, Adams family. What was their car like? The Dragula or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was I like don't remember that one. Some, I'm just uh, thinking of the jet on the back of the 1960s Batman car. How stupid that jet! Yeah, was. it was just a couple of like. Uh, <laughs> Just yeah, a like a burners back hibachi, there. hibachi back there. <laughs> it looked yeah. really dumb when they turned it. I on. know. It's like if we just if we light a fire in the back of the car, it'll look like it, uh, it'll it'll push us, you know, ahead. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, well, like of course, there's Back to the Future's DeLorean, which mm. is a, a terrific sort of a silly, you know, uh, mashup car for time travel and so this was kind of in the same vein mm-hmm. and uh you know it just had like a wonderful air of silliness about it as he was like driving into the mountainside uh sort of fun i thought mm-hmm. and and then just the goofiness of the eighth dimension there's some sort of like fetal uh lectoid just kind of hovering in space <laughs> and it just that was it and then he blew out the other side of the mountain yeah i was, thought the uh, visuals were neat they just had a bunch of electron micrographs up there that they were panning around yeah. But that looks pretty cool. So, so I, you know, the problem, I think, with this podcast is the fanboys of Buckaroo Banzai are going to tune in and uh, expect to hear fanboys, uh, you know, reveling in the, uh, I guess, the campy brilliance of this film. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you're sounding sort of down on it. And maybe I'm not, not down on it. I'm, I'm not today, but I really enjoyed the film quite a bit. I didn't know if I'd really like it as much but the thing is the the individual performances in this movie just make it a lot of fun to watch and i mean it's it, of course it, it's dippy and it's absurd and i guess you know it's not exactly something you want to watch right after doing your taxes uh you know if you're not oh we did by the way of, i did do that actually <laughs> if you're not th- if you're not having a flight if you're not in the mood for a flight of fancy you know this movie if, you, if you're gonna go watch gone girl and that's really gonna get your juices flowing this is not the movie for you on that particular day. I mean, you got to be able to sort of go with the dippiness of the film, but I think the dippiness is, is, is awesome. I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy almost every performance in it. I did uh, enjoy the uh, band scene quite a bit where they're rocking out in sort of eighties fashion. And then uh, Peter Will is like, is there somebody crying in the back room? Is mm-hmm. there somebody crying? And I, I don't know. I thought that was just so goofy and cheesy and, uh, you know, well done. That's that silly scene with uh, what was it? His uh, I'm going to get all the characters wrong. Oh, I can't even I mean, remember her name. Penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Penny. Who's a dead yeah. ringer for Peggy, his ex-wife. Peggy. I guess exactly. he's a, I guess he's a widower. Though they don't ever go into it uh, particularly. She had some sort of royalty. Uh, there's just some sort of storyline where Peggy and Penny were separated at birth, but it doesn't really make sense. I don't think it's supposed to. Yeah. Well, it, you assume since it's Buckaroo Banzai that that yeah, it, it was it was probably uh, his widow was of of some kind of note, right? Well, you know, With, the thing about this this movie, you sort of get a feel from is you you know there's a lot behind this movie, you know that you can tell there's there's this huge, you just get this feeling of this <coughs> intense world of lore that. Uh, that exists that you don't see. There's sort of a backstory there that the movie doesn't feel a need to explain to you. You feel like everybody's got a story and like it's there. You just don't know it. And, uh, you know, it sort of gives you a Lord of the Rings sort of a flair. Well, what it felt like I was watching was a uh, comic book movie that had no comic pedigree. 
That's kind well, of what I think it felt like. I think that's the thing, and I mean, they even went so far as to make a comic pedigree that they nod to in the movie. The thing is, this character Buckaroo Banzai was um, was a creation of the you know the writer Roush, but Roush had written a whole bunch early in his career of spec scripts involving this character like a whole oh, god really? yeah it's like when he first started writing he just would bust out tons of of buck rubanza so basically the character grew organically through these repeated um scripts and changed and morphed and, until we see sort of his final form in this in this film but the, there's huge backstory like all the characters as part of the um of the uh Hong Kong Cavaliers. There's like separate stories. There's like separate scripts, and there a lot of most of them are not complete, involving really? the story of each one of those characters. So there's, uh, I think that's one thing that people revel in. They get this feeling that there's more there, and there's sort of a great mystery because there is more there. You just never know about it. But you sort of there's a weight with all the characters that I think that you wouldn't get from somebody just making this movie as a one-off. As far as the creativeness of the, of the characters, that's, that's pretty interesting, though. Like, there's a, as you would say, a familiar. Ah, fuck, I can't even pronounce that. The familiar in is that how you pronounce that mm-hmm. fucking book? Yeah, yeah, something uh, like that. yeah. Like Reno has a whole story where they met Reno, you know. <laughs> and Rawhide has the Clancy Brown's character has a huge backstory, but we always yeah. see him as the stalwart right hand man. But we know right. there's something there. We know those guys are, you know, as tight as can be. They're more brothers than brothers, uh, even though we don't see any of it. That's really interesting. I wonder if 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 the backstories have ever seen any kind of incarnation. I just got that from listening to parts, listening to the uh, comment track. Uh, here oh, you listened to it? Okay. Not the whole thing. I didn't sit down and watch it with the comment track, but I watched a couple of scenes with the comment track. That I thought there might be something there, and the and the screenwriter talks about that. So he came up with basically, uh, like you said, all this backstory, all this writing. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like Tolkien. I mean, Tolkien was a nut, you know, and he spent yeah, twenty right. years writing a backstory. This guy, this is just part of his early career. So you know, the thing about uh, you know, as as I guess a dabbler of writing myself, that uh, most writing, as I always like to say, is isn't done on paper. You know, people always, uh, uh, you know, they talk about writer's block. Well, I sit down and I need a really quiet place to write. And I need, a, you know, a cup of herbal tea and songbirds outside the window. And the mm. light just needs to be right. And I need to, you know, have sort of a, a zen garden nearby. It, it's That's all kind of horseshit. You know, I always know when... Look, uh, I know exactly what you mean. I can only get anything done in the refractory period, so... I know, yeah, I know exactly. Right what you're talking right. about. Well, yeah, yeah. No, you have to have the, you have to have the, you know, perfect, uh, yeah, masturbation chair before you start writing. And herbal tea. And herbal tea. Uh, so, the, you know, as, a, as, as somebody who's written things, uh, all my writing gets done in my head, um, I guess, like in the car or taking the dog for a walk, or just little moments of, of uh, maybe a segue. And, and I just kind of build up uh, stories of, you know, well, why would this character be doing that? Well, maybe he's this. And, and, I, and it kind of just sticks in my head. And so by the time I, I you know, want to put a little bit of uh, words to paper, uh, it's all there. It's just, you're just mechanically, you know, putting the words together and 
creating the sentences. And that's really kind of how the you know best writing, I think, is done, is that you have to create uh, the backstory in your head. You can't just... People who say, oh, you know, I just start writing and I see where the story takes me. I was like, eh, you're a shitty writer then. You really are. Because you have to have all that stuff, like, just kind of logged. And so I can see, you know, obviously the, the, the writer... Uh, put it to paper at one point, but he had thought about all these characters. Like, you know, why is you know why is perfect Tommy the way he is, and mm-hmm. uh, all this kind of stuff. And even though you see just little flashes of them in this, they have a, uh, uh, I guess you know, no pun intended, but like a, an extra dimension uh, to them that you know that they're just. Like, it's when you see, like, somebody that you think is a famous person, but they're, mm-hmm. you don't know who the hell they are. It's like, was that guy famous? He sure seemed famous. You know, he just walked through the hotel lobby there, and people seem to notice him and all that kind of shit. You know, so uh, I can see that with this film. I can see that there was a ton of care uh, with all this wonderful imagination that got thrown out here, you know, with the whole red and black electoid uh, battle and why the black electoids masquerade is... Uh, Rastafarians and, mm-hmm. you know, even why the ships look all organic and funky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just a ton of that in this film. You know, you know Yo-Yo Dine Industries and mm-hmm. all these lectoids dumped out and they got this, you know, the social security cards at the same time and they're all named John. Mm-hmm. You know, out of some sort of, uh, I guess, uh, terrestrial ignorance, they couldn't figure out what the <laughs> fuck names were. And so they're just like, well, I guess we're all John because that's the most common name. So we just got to make up a last name and we'll be good, you know. And, well, I think uh, the thing is this movie just is thick with creativity. I mean, all the way down to, you know, the famous um, watermelon in the press. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this movie just, it just throws so much at you. And I think that's why people really enjoy it because it's, it's, it's I think there was just a huge amount of, of creativity that got into the film. And well, I and think that's why it's so enjoyable. And it's and it's manic with that creativity mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't it's like, oh and then there's this and then there's this and then there's this and <clears throat> there's never a uh you know, it never camps out on any of its silly ideas. You know, too it doesn't long. camp out, but it doesn't mind getting campy if it needs to. I mean every once in a while it throws some exposition at you just for the fucking hell of it. And it's it's pretty stupid, but it, it's all right. I don't mind. Yeah, but when it's doing the exposition, the exposition is in um, a cliched way that I think. Well, you mean it... this movie really? I mean, if if we've seen a movie that has the same feel of this one, it's Big Trouble in Little China, and you love that movie. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean there's true. a. I mean, there's a good reason that this movie feels a lot like Big Level, Big Trouble in Little China, because one of Big Trouble in Little China's writers was the director of this film, Richter. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Huh. He did so, this before Big Trouble, I think. So, yeah, And so, I mean, I think we get a little bit of that feel in this movie. I mean, at least, at least that's what this movie feels like <coughs> to me. No, it has. And, you know, I don't know if there was an 80s sort of thing uh, with uh, kind of zaniness and sort of a sci-fi comedy mashup. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's echoes of this type of film later on uh, in other movies like Galaxy Quest, you know, kind of has a little bit of that. Yeah, a little bit of that, a little more sensible than this movie. But I do really well, like Galaxy yeah. Quest. I'd like to do that sometime. I had a question about um, the ending of the movie. 
with uh, Peggy's, I mean, Penny's death. Yes. I mean, New Jersey meets um, Buckaroo outside of the of the of their big double decker bus and goes, I couldn't save her because uh, she got hurt by uh, you know, being tortured by Warfin and uh, Big Boutet. And um, Buckaroo goes in, sees her. She's covered by cloth. He opens the cloth. He kisses her and she wakes up. Is, it, is right. that what happened? Was she dead in that ionization that he received from Warfarin earlier in the film brought her back to life? Is that is that what's supposed to happen? I guess. Uh, there's just so much going on in the film. I, 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 you have to be like a, a student of Buckaroo, I think, to uh, I mean, that's you know, gotta fully be the flesh case. out the... Uh, yeah, because I, I, otherwise it's a it's a joke that Penny and New Jersey are playing on him. It doesn't make any sense. No, no, because it doesn't really resolve mm-hmm. itself. You know, that's one thing but, that sort of confused me. Uh, I guess the eighth dimension stuff and the black lectoids didn't bug me, but just the well, that was all very contrived. I mean, yeah. that was all you know. Uh, it was all very uh, silly, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the black lectoids are Rastafarians for some mm-hmm. odd reason. Mm-hmm. I thought that cracked me up. Uh, you know, and then I was thinking uh, this sort of, uh, uh, I guess a movie that came after this uh, that may have borrowed it was John Carpenter's They Live with the mm-hmm. ability to see the lectoids, you know, in their human form. Mm-hmm. And, and he had that ability and that he could see like the red lectoids, uh, you know, uh, for what they were, uh, where everybody else couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of like, oh, there's a little bit of that conspiracy going on. And mm-hmm. and I loved how uh, when they go into Yo-Yo Dine, I was like, this place is a shithole. Like, they were commenting on what a dump the fucking Yo-Yo Dine was. You know, had been there for like, I don't know, what, 40 years or something. And they've been building the, uh, what was it, the truncheon? The, yeah, the and the Secretary of Defense goes by there. And guys, don't you guys have any pride? There's water yeah, all you, over the place. It's, any fucking pride. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yo-Yo Dine. That was a great fucking name. I mean, it's just all that shit. Is well, just, that Yo-Yo uh, Dine was, is borrowed from an earlier. Um, it's not. It, this is the movie isn't the source of the idea of a Yo-Yo Dine Industries. Where did that come from? Uh, it comes from that. Oh, what is that famous um, American writer? Um, forget his name. You're trying to look it up. Pynchon, Thomas Pynchon invented it. Oh, from uh, Gravity's Rainbow or some shit? Uh, I think it's called V. I've never read any of his stuff. I was, I was reading about Thomas Pynchon, he wrote uh, Gravity's Rainbow. Which, How was that? Uh, don't ask me. I, I would never endeavor to read it. Uh, it's well, why is supposed, that? It's sort of like a, uh, mm, I would call it a modern or a sci-fi-ish Finnegan's Wake. Uh, it's, uh, almost impossible to read. Uh, it, I don't think it's very long, but it has like over 400 characters in it. And, uh, it's just a, um, has over, what do you mean? For, oh, oh, I mean, care individual characters. Yeah. 400 characters. I thought are, you were talking about some sort of specialty character he invented just for the language of the book. No, uh, I, 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 but I see people who, you know, if it's like one of those books that if you're a coffee shop and you want to, you know, have some sort of pretension about yourself. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a you super would, you overachieving intellectual. Well, I guess, but even then, it's it's like people who casually say that they've read Finnegan's Wake. And then I look at them and I'm like, I don't think you have. 
I think you maybe cracked it and thumbed through it, but nobody's really read Finnegan's Wake. Well, maybe you just like literally just read it with no understanding. Well, why would you do that? That's just an exercise in just reading words that, you know. I mean, I guess it's, a, it's some sort of stamina thing that you can. It's like reading your sociology textbook when you're in a freshman. There's just fucking, you know, just words going by. It's uh, like but, me reading uh, anything I read. So anyway, uh, Thomas Pynchon came up with the Yo-Yo Dine mm-hmm. Industries. Mm-hmm. That was his thing. Okay, mm-hmm. well, interesting. An interesting nod to uh, high literature. Mm-hmm. I think so. Either. So uh, uh, what else? I, I feel like we're falling short here, giving the fans, uh, you know, some more storied heritage. But we do that often, where we don't like uh, meet meet the fanboys' expectations, or at least I don't feel that we have for some of these beloved movies. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, uh, what, I mean, what, what, I mean, what are you supposed to say? You can, you can talk about everybody's performance. I mean, just generally, I've said Lithgow is fucking awesome as a orphan. I mean, that, and the that monk- accent is inspired. The mania on his eyes is just like the scene where he's talking to his the troops, getting them psyched up before the final push. Oh and yeah, yeah, and they're getting fucking just, bored. I mean, it's just insane. And they're just going, oh, God, will you just get to it? Jesus uh-huh. Christ. Yeah, it's, that shit's <laughs> hilarious. But, I mean, just his, his motions when he's up there. He's just he's just absolutely, I mean, I, he is so physical when he's delivering this. Lithgow is such a, amazing. he's such a spirited actor. And he's, he seems very wholesome, yet he has such menace in sort of this, uh, it's hard to describe, uh, just this, Oh, I don't know. He's a. I I think he's like a. I think he's an underrated acting treasure. You know, nobody ever uh, says, "Oh, Lithgow's in it." I don't know if I want to see it. No, Lithgow's one of the greatest actors of our time. Absolutely. And 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 just the fact that you know, like he could. I don't know. I when did World According to Garb come out? It was close to this, wasn't it? Like uh, early mid early mid eighties or something like that. Playing like you know a, a trans outrageous transvestite, and uh, with with like such earnestness, you know, and such believability, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, then he he can do a movie like this where he's like possessed by some you know multi dimensional alien. Uh, it's just it's fucking fantastic. And why is his teeth rotten? I mean, he's old. He's been living in institutions his whole life. I know, but that just I was like, oh my god, his teeth are just totally rotten, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I'd say Christopher Lloyd is uh, John Big Booty got a little Boutte. Uh, Boutte. He was sort of uh, under the radar, I would say, in this film. He didn't, no, no, uh, no. Lloyd was absolutely awesome. Goldblum was good as New Jersey. I just love when he's waiting outside of the police station in his cowboy getup. I know that's and just fucking hilarious. He's just sitting there waiting to all of a sudden become part of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. It's like. Probably one of the best neurosurgeons in the country. And, there, yeah, I know. I, that's just that's just that's just really funny. Uh, there was a guy that shirt that he wore, that red shirt. There was this. Uh, he was a. Uh, uh, he was a. I gotta say his name because his name is. Um, uh, anyway, he was a grad student at the University of Wyoming, and uh, we call him the Micro Cowboy because he. <laughs> He was like a short little dude, and he wore the most outrageous outfits. He like you know the, the super tight, uh, 
like uh, blue jeans, those, mm-hmm. those spray on blue jeans. With like, you and, can see like the, the whole scrotum, all the one side. I mean, well, well, where the, yeah, but where the belt buckle wouldn't cover up the rest of it, you know? And uh, he was really into uh, mechanical bull riding. So there's mm. a few places down in Colorado. That I bet you'd be pretty good as a super light guy. I bet yeah. that'd really work in your favor. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he used to fucking love the mechanical bull. Mm. And uh, he wore the most like, I mean, he was a total serious dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim, I'll call him Tim. I won't say his last name, but his, his, I'll just say this. If, if, if you look in the Bible, there's the book of Timothy. And then right mm-hmm. after that, there's another book. And that was his last name. Oh, okay. So his parents had some kind of sense of humor. But it had a little buckaroo bonsai flair to it because they mm-hmm. both started with T. And uh, he wore one time, I swear to Christ, a shirt that looked exactly like Jeff Goldblum's red sort of uh hoedown shirt there well, I think you know it's a pretty classic design with the snaps and anyway he showed up i forget like we were i don't know we we're graduate students so we we're like doing a like teaching a lab or something and, mm-hmm. and you know teaching sections of a lab or something he showed up one day and i, I was like looked at him and i was like say hey buckaroo where's the square dance and he just got he's got so pissed at me <laughs> he's a fucking asshole but i was just you know it was wyoming but i was like jesus christ man that's <laughs> this that's is some flair even for wyoming, wyoming college town I'm trying to try to put on some uh i mean if you're gonna wear a stripe make it a make I mean, if you're gonna wear a, a plaid make it a, a seattle type uh what are those shirts that people wear? Oh, the, the flannels. Flannel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, holy shit, man. That is some, yeah, yeah. you're living the dream here in Wyoming. But uh, uh, Penny Pretty, she was from Laramie, Wyoming, by the way. I caught mm-hmm. that little bit of trivia there. So anyway. But she wasn't born there. She was born somewhere else in Wyoming. Like, uh, Cody. Cody. Cody, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know why I know that. Probably because I spent time in Wyoming. But where, so, what is up with Ellen Barkin? She was like hardly wearing any clothes throughout this whole movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She's hot. Uh, amazingly all, enough, I was sort of attracted to her. She has a very unique face. She's kind of, uh, <clears throat> she kind of like has that uh, Carmen Diaz Circa the Mask look about her. I think hmm. it might be the nose. Hmm. But uh, yeah, she's pretty hot. I don't know what else she's been in. She's pretty decent looking. So. Yeah, I don't remember her from a lot of stuff. She's sort of uh, things here and there. Anyway, this was my choice. Uh, so I kind of just feel like I'm falling short. Did you just not enjoy maybe. it that much? I mean, maybe it was just a busy week. I think that's it. I think mm-hmm. it was it was one of those movies that I think it was. You don't want to have to be forced to get through this under short time. I don't think. No, and that's what happened. And I watched it on a Sunday when I was just sitting around doing homework all day long. I just took a break for a couple hours and watched it. No, I, I, I was, you know, I was. I think I even had to pause it and go do shit. And no, stuff. no, no. You don't have to go fucking clean out the litter box in the middle of it. So it, it, and unfortunately, it's, it's not a nostalgia trip, and I think that hurt sort of my enjoyment of it. It's uh, this I mean, movie. You did is like some... the use more honey line. Obviously, you remember. Uh, who was who, who was going off on it? Ekblah, use more honey. He loved that use line. more honey. Yeah, see, I don't even remember that line. Use what more honey. Fun? That's when uh, <laughs> Warfin's uh, sending Penny off to be tortured, and he tells Big Boote to use more honey. Oh, as, see, as part of their torture see, program. See, sadly, you know the thing that the, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This movie 
is somebody else's uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. You know, where Big Little Big Trouble in Little China is my beloved sort mm-hmm. of quirky, mm-hmm. like we were saying, movie of the eighties. I thought that was more eight, Escape from New York. Uh, kind of same difference yeah. a little bit you know uh-huh. and and so this movie is yeah like snake plissken you know sort of ridiculously larger than life and mm-hmm. campy mm-hmm. you know same with buckaroo bonsai but buckaroo bonsai you know you've had people who've watched it a million times and like you said know all the you know 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 all the all the lines mm-hmm. and and revel in each one of those lines it's like a, what's the monkey boy line that was the one that ben used to repeat all the time oh yeah the, yeah uh, yeah um uh something Watch your back, monkey boy. Yeah, like, oh, watch like your back, monkey boy. You well, know, they, and, ca- and they call the humans monkey boys. That's, that's yeah, they call them monkey boys. That's the red electroids use. Yeah, that's and funny. so Ben Ben would always repeat that. He fucking loved that monkey boy line. You know? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just remember that kind of shit. And the other one was like, uh, why do you call me Perfect Tommy? I was like, because you're perfect. <laughs> that was the other one that he loved. <laughs> I didn't even catch that line. I was like dutifully watching the movie, and I don't know mm-hmm, what happened. Mm-hmm. I maybe turned my head. And they you said know, what, sometimes line. it helps if you find your mind wandering on these movies is to turn on the on the subtitles. Yeah, but and I didn't have any subtitles, man. That so can that can help out. So yeah, I apologize. Uh, I, you know, I we could have just. I don't think there's anything to apologize for. I mean. What we what do we do? Are we just supposed to spout off lines, one liners back and forth to each other for yeah? Hour? That's what well, we're supposed to do. That's, I mean, that's what not, that's not how no, we do no. movies. I mean, I enjoyed this movie, but I don't have it memorized. I, I like or play parts. drops and then we like cackle at the drops. You know, <laughs> like like. I mean, I guess I guess I could have put together a bunch of drops, but uh, I just didn't take the time to do it. I just um, I just you know I, have, I was barely holding my fudge in this week. <laughs> Yeah, hold my fudge in. That is fucking hilarious. That That is a funny line. I got enough. I got enough medals to decorate a Christmas tree, or what? To break a Christmas tree, or what the fuck was he saying? Well, if anybody can't remember, just go back to the beginning of this podcast. General say, I'm scared. Is I'm scared. (laughs) That's just fucking hilarious. And why was the president in traction? I didn't even remember. I have no idea. I meant to watch the the commentary for that. I'm sure there's some reason for it. Uh, All right, man. Let's get to the review. We uh, turn this week uh, to the late, great Vincent Canby, who uh, is even older and deader than uh, Roger Ebert. That's a terrible Uh, picture of him, by the way, on the uh, Rotten Tomatoes. That's just... uh... Uh, Canby uh, wrote for the, a long time for the New York Times. For some reason, Eber didn't see this movie. He must have just missed it. Um, this was right in the, the wheelhouse of his alcoholic movie review fever during the 80s. Um, <clears throat> Canby says, Watching the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai from beginning to end is like coming into the middle chapters of some hilariously overplotted, spaced-out 1930s adventure serial. Neither the beginning... Uh, nor the end of which ever comes into sight. I think that's some, I'm sure he wasn't privy to how this movie was written. So I think that's a really great insight on his part. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to see that. Um, See here. He says uh, it's a part of a new genre called science fiction farce. And then he uh, recalls it being similar to uh, other members of the genre repo man, which we probably should do sometime. Yeah. And I thought it was Repo Men. 
No, Repo Man. And uh, No, that was another shitty movie that came out like a few years ago that was fucking terrible. Oh, that was the other sci-fi movie with yeah. uh, Mr. Handsome Pants and uh, uh, Lazy Eye. Yeah. And um, the virtually seminal Liquid Sky. I'm not familiar with that. I haven't either seen that. I, I, I want to... Nah, I'm thinking Cronenberg, but it's not a Cronenberg film, so I don't know who We're, did it. I'm going to have to look both of those up. Those are maybe movies we'll want to do. Um, he says, um, the movie's not quite clear, but it is very funny. Um, and then he goes off on to talk about, you know, blah, 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 the normal review stuff where they just sort of summarize some of the of the film. And, and you know, he comments on this and that. Um, he does talk about some of the language used, uh, like... Uh, by Buckaroo, like, uh, the deuce you say, and uh, don't be mean, because no matter where you go, there you are. He does sort of have these hokey lines, like, out of the 30s, which I think yeah, I plays know. in again. But those serials. don't even make any fence, sense. That's, like, part of it. I mean, don't be mean, because mm-hmm. wherever you go, there you are. Uh-huh. I, I guess that makes as much sense as uh, who left that watermelon there. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's... The character is just so strange of Buckaroo. <laughs> well, Peter Weller is an interesting actor because uh, he's so deadpan, mm-hmm. you know. And, can, and, he and, not, can he play anything other than deadpan? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think he's chronically deadpan. I, I can't think of Peter Weller, like, cackling or laughing in any 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 of his movies. You just see Peter Weller as sort of a... Like a like a one liner commando. I, yeah, you know, I guess that's what's the great thing about Lithgow and Weller being on just the so emotive. Poles. They're so different from each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Weller's so contrast. calm and sort of detached and. Uh, well, and he's like a mumbler too. Mm. I mean, Peter Weller. I, I I'm thinking of every movie I can conjure in my head. And he's like, yep, yeah, I kind of mumbled through that line. Yep, sort of mumbled there. You know, when I say He did mumble quite a bit in Screamers, that's for sure. But I thought it's just because he didn't give a shit. Well, there's that. And, like, RoboCop, he's obviously by def, you know, de facto deadpan Mm -hmm. in that role. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, what's the other one we've reviewed? Naked Lunch, just kind of rambling deadpan sort of... uh, uh, which I guess captured the whole AMS Burroughs, uh, je ne sais quoi. And, I think we're uh, going to have to watch every Weller performance to see. If oh, man, I don't think I can do else. it. Like, I was watching one of those shitty late season Dexters that he was in. Oh, and yeah, that wasn't a very good season, yeah. Same thing. Same, like, pure Weller, you know. Lithgow was much pen. better in Dexter. I think we can Oh, I did not realize that. That has. A, did Jeff Goldblum in Dexter? Was the whole cast of Buckaroo Banzai materializing? In <laughs> was Gold, I don't think Goldblum was certain places. In there, that would have been pretty funny if you. That'd been fucking awesome. Like Ellen Barkin's like a corpse and one. Well, scene they could, what they could have. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hilarious, and Jeff Goldblum loves cameoing, so you know, be good. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there somewhere, but I doubt it. <laughs> so uh, I continue. Sorry. Oh uh, no, that's about it for this review. It's, it's actually, except for that initial insight, it's actually a rather pedestrian review. Yeah, I, I think uh, the way he liked it. I think caught I think, up in the mania of uh, you know what Buckaroo Bonsai. Why do you think he's caught up in the mania? I just thought he. Well, I mean, the not caught up in the mania, but I, I guess uh, indulging it. You know, indulging its silly. Well, mashup I and, guess he wasn't as you know. 
<clears throat> you know, I mean, I think that he was allowed to go on the let himself go on the flight of fancy, which maybe you weren't quite in the right mood for when you watched it. Yeah, I, well, you know, there was another movie that came out near this time, and it wasn't very good, but it was uh, the Legend of Remo Williams or something like that, mm. or Remo Williams Returns, mm-hmm. and some sort of larger than life character who has some. Uh, yeah, far eastern sensei, and he has to go on some crazy like super agent adventure. I don't remember even start in it, uh, but it kind of had this. They, these movies all kind of came out around the same time. <laughs> oh, so I'm looking at the the Remo Williams movie poster from 1985. It's like hanging Stars from Fred uh, Ward. Fred fucking Ward. Jesus Christ, what happened to that guy? <laughs> I think he might be dead. I don't know. Well, he's like hanging from uh, the Statue of Liberty or some shit. Isn't that what the... I'm not looking at it, but I'm just I, remembering. I, no, no. It's just it's just him like in a uh, uh, a denim button-up shirt and uh, a leather vest throwing a punch at the, at, the, at the viewer of the poster with an American flag behind him. What the fuck did that movie get? I'm, I'm look, I got to look it up now. Oh, it was 88, so it was probably a knockoff. Oh, 85. No, there was two. It was 85. There was two. There was a Remo Williams in 88. Can't be the same, isn't it? Is it the same? Was it a two Remo? Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, uh-huh. right? And then there's... I don't see a second Remo Williams. I, I could be wrong, though. <coughs> there was a sequel to Remo Williams. I mean, it was a wow. TV only thing. Oh, it must have been. Yeah, I watched it on VHS as a kid. I don't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it obviously didn't get good re- reviews. But, uh, <laughs> it doesn't look very good. Well, for Brimley's <laughs> in it, though. Diabetes. Oh, yeah. Classic. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it was a fair review by Cam. He liked it. I don't know what the, the negative reviewers of Buckaroo were dogging on. Uh, do you, by chance, have any uh No, I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't read any other reviews. I, does, does it not have very good review on... Uh... No, it does, but I guess it got mixed reviews when it came out. So there was a lot of folks just, I think it wasn't in their wheelhouse. And like, what the fuck? What are we watching? You know, and I think it just. Uh, well, here's, here's David right. Keir from the Chicago Reader saying the film gives you a mildly annoying sensation of being left out of a not very good private joke. Well, yeah, but. That's, I don't know. That's, it, that's Variety the, says it violates every rule of storytelling and narrative structure in creating a self-contained world of its own. I don't see how that's necessarily That's like thing. a positive review. <laughs> it, says right? splat, it says splat next to it. Otherwise, the top critics are all positive. Yeah, well, the thing is, is it, I guess one of Buckaroo's genius is it, is it doesn't, it do, it's, it's, completely detached from anything really that came before it. I know there were sort of references to sort of 1930s sci-fi serials and some of that kind of stuff, but there's like, I'm trying to think maybe there's some John Carpenter stuff, uh, sci-fi farce, you know, I, I guess that was a thing, but it takes it to the next level, you know, it's just, it, it just, uh, uh, just, so inventive with craziness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and authentically. So, it's no, oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's not contrived craziness. It's truly creativeness that comes out of a orgasm of uh, imaginations. And yeah, right and 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 love for everything in it. You know, uh, it 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 lacks a hokiness, even though it 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 at first glance is like extremely hokey and ridiculous. You know, but uh, it makes it it they pull it off somehow. 
I, I don't know. And, and the fact that it lacks a, any kind of uh, uh, pedigree before it. You know, it wasn't a sketch on some, you know, comedy show or it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, an offshoot of some other film or didn't have any comic books before it. I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying it's just it comes from a really it just comes from I think it comes from a lot of different people, but it's just it's just very creative. And I guess that imagination has to be uh, respected. Definitely, especially when it's so hard to come up with shit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, All right. Well, we got anything else on the old buckaroo? No, no. I think people should view it, even if we're not spouting off one liners left and right. I think it's a it's a fun film. I mean, obviously, or remember the first time we saw it, you know, and all that, and this first time we saw it high. I, you know, I rarely remember the first time I see movies. I have a terrible memory, as has been shown over and over again in in this podcast. My viewing for the podcast is usually the most salient viewing of any film. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm wondering if I actually watched Buckaroo Bonsai all the way through. I think I did when I was a kid, but I don't think I have since. I, um, I had before because I watched it. I think I watched it a couple times later, early the early days when Ekblaw was going off about it. I watched probably watched about as much as I watched Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is I watched. Yeah, well, I remember you know Ekblaw loved to 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 watch it and occasionally watch it high, and then he would point at the screen, turn around, and he had just this, uh, you know, frozen like silent laugh like he was laughing so hard and, and i just was like whoa i mean when did you first watch this movie you know probably he's 12 or something and this movie's still fucking just rolling you uh even with a little uh you know uh uh i guess uh, uh herbal enhancement he just could not fucking oh. get enough of I know you need you he used need to that, you need that stuff in your life you need to get he used to so like he used to meet new people he used to meet new people, and then he was always really fascinated by new people. He'd always have to tell you, like, how cool they were and stuff like that. And then he would turn out hating them, like, two weeks later. It was sort of a funny cycle he got into. And uh, uh, But one thing I always remember is, like, oh, yeah, no, I had this art class. And, uh, uh, like, he had this almost grade school attraction to girls uh, if they liked Buckaroo Bonsai. You know, say, oh, and she's totally into Buckaroo Bonsai. I was like... What? what? What are you talking about? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's Like, he he had to know. Mm-hmm. It was some litmus test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't obviously pass the Buckaroo litmus test. But I think, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a fair test. I mean, if somebody really can't let their mind go on a little bit of a flight of fancy, it probably says something about them. Not that oh, it means they're not going to be successful or anything, but I think it might say something about how you get, get on with somebody, especially in those passionate yeah. early 20s. Uh, college, uh, yeah, but no, he that that was his litmus test, man. It was like, it, 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 is the chicken to Buckaroo? Bonsai? I gotta ask, have you seen Buckaroo Bonza? You know, so if not, yes. come over to my dorm room and watch it. No, yeah. I won't pull any funny stuff. I guarantee it. That's right. You know, we're not gonna make out during Buckaroo Bonza or anything. We'll wait till <laughs> uh, I don't know whatever movie you have to watch afterward. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know what what were chicks into. Uh, they have like uh, the John Hughes movies. Those are probably like their bucket. I thought you were into the John Hughes movies. I am, man. I, I think I, I we we should probably do one. I think uh, our friend, our other friend Ben, had requested us to do uh, a John Hughes like uh, Breakfast, Breakfast Club? Club or something like uh, that, which isn't really my. Fa- I I kind of like Sixteen Candles a little bit better. I think that was more of my uh, mid eighties charmer, you know. So, 
because the geeky guy gets like the hot chick in high school, which just obviously never happens. But anyway, lights of fire. All right. You still there? I am. So up next. Up I next. Was, uh, I was thinking, I've been sort of thinking about a couple things. Movie-wise, you're looking through my library, my Netflix queue. And uh, there's one movie I keep meaning to do in Halloween, but every Halloween I keep thinking about horror, right? Yeah. And I forget right. the sort of, you know, sort of movies that have horror elements but aren't horror movies. And one of those that I keep forgetting every Halloween is um, the classic Tim Burton, uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, now, we, we hit Tim Burton once before. Uh, did we? What did we do? We did uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure with. Uh, with oh with, right, we, we, we didn't we, like that. We took a big dump all over. Yeah, that. We and I think Pee Big Adventure. It's got some good stuff in there, but it's got some other problematic issues that we, I didn't find it enjoyable to watch. Now I don't think that's going to be the case with Beetlejuice. I, I don't know how you feel about it. The other thing that brought Beetlejuice to mind was the goth girl thing you were going off on Ooh, uh, yeah. in our last Winona. movie, Legend. Now I think Winona. I'm not sure how old she was. When I, I I think yeah she she was born in what seventy one or something teenager about fifteen yeah but she sort of got that goth thing going on so and yeah. that it sort of got I was thinking you know what are the other goth uh, actresses you know young goth actresses, actresses. chicks who uh, wore some black eye makeup in a movie or two yeah and they were fascinating yeah. well I mean I don't yeah. I mean you got to say there's there's a similarity there. Uh, the there's legend. a there's a, there's a look. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah, say that yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, the, yeah I'm uh, sure whatever adolescent boy was titillated by one was probably titillated to a certain extent. No, I remember totally. Be, I think that was my first Winona exposure. Yeah, and I'm sure people had crushes on Winona for many years to come based on that. You know, I, I, she was she's on like Masterpiece Theater Contemporary. Mm-hmm. Rose was watching it. There's some uh, I don't know drama set in the uh, Caribbean or something, and Winona was in it. And uh, she kind of has a cr- crazy eyes now. It's a little weird seeing her older, and she has a little bit. Her eyes are kind of crazy, and knowing that she like shoplifted at one point and stuff. It, it, oh yeah, that was just sort of a that was a weird wrist taking. That was weird. Yeah, I don't know had. what she was up to there. It's well, it's like, it's like people doing drugs and stuff. It, she just got a kick out of it. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, and then uh, Black Swan. If you ever saw Black Swan. That was, uh, I that was fast like, forwarded right through that one to the lesbian scene and then right back what? up the other end of that movie. We've talked about that before. Oh, Jesus, dude. Really? Oh. <laughs> so shameful. Shame on you. It was a honest. good movie. I, I, I'll watch it. It's in. I got a totally legitimate copy on my hard drive and I'll watch it sometime. All right. Well, there's a great, crazy Winona Ryder scene in it. That's fucking. It's like how you would. like a, Like a caricature of how you would picture Winona. Now, mm-hmm. but like fucking, you know, just depressed crazy. and manic. Yeah, like a you know a a, a faded sort of actress. Uh, you know, Hollywood's moved on to younger fare, mm-hmm. i.e., uh, Natalie Portman. You know, it, it's 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 great. Like it's just I, it's it's art imitating life, imitating art. It's 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 mm-hmm. something else. And mm-hmm. and when that scene with Nanona, Winona, and I think it's a pair of scissors. You're just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's worth it's worth the whole watch. Yeah, the pair of scissors, so, huh? Something like that. Anyway. All right. Yeah, I'll watch this. All right, man. I'll let you know when that happens. So next week we're doing Beetlejuice, and uh, until then. Oh!